Welcome to Own It from Women Lead Change. I'm Tiffany O'Donnell, the CEO of Women Lead Change. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Sarah Morgan. She's the Chief Excellence Officer for Buzzaroony LLC, where she provides consulting and coaching surrounding inclusive and equitable organizational culture and practical people-centric leadership. Sarah gives us powerful insight into the distinction between being anti-racist and non-racist. Well, hello, Sarah Morgan. Hello. How are you? Thank you for having me so much. I'm glad to be here, Tiffany. Okay, I have to tell you, Buzz Rooney, what <laughs> is this? So Buzz Rooney was my childhood nickname. My dad gave me that nickname because I was nosy. I would buzz around, follow him everywhere, get into everything, ask a lot of questions, touch stuff, you know, all those kinds of things. And he's like, you just a little buzzeroony. And it became my nickname. They literally put it on a t-shirt that I wore from the time I was three, two or three. until I just simply couldn't fit it anymore at age five. And my mother took it and threw it away. And I know I cried when she did. I loved that shirt. And at the time I, I, I finally went through and, and got my LLC, my dad had passed away. And so I wanted to really honor him, his legacy, obviously his impact on my life. And then I also say I wanted to always remember that curious three-year-old who touched everything and asked all the questions that she wasn't supposed to ask, you know, and so that I could consistently like remind myself that she's still in there and she's still rocking that little t-shirt and can still ask the questions and do the things. I love it. I love it that you changed the word nosy to curious. I am. That's exactly what I was... I mean, that served you I got so well. Yeah, you I have got, questions. questions. Yeah, that's and awesome. honestly, questions. my screensaver says be curious. Yeah. I just think that's, you know, that's just the key. Yeah. It's just, I agree. And look at, look at you now. Look Absolutely. at you now. Yeah. And speaking, speaking of you now, so you've gone from an entry level contributor to now head of HR for an international firm. Okay. So yeah. that's quite a journey quite a journey in a very short time i started as a recruiting coordinator fresh out of college like maybe a month or two out of college and got a job as a recruiting coordinator for a staffing company and then pretty quickly got promoted into an actual recruiter's role and then the on-site manager at our staffing company he quit abruptly and my branch manager looked at me, you know, 23 years old and barely six months of job, real job experience and said, it's on you, kid. Let's get this done. You're so young. I have to think. I was 23, 24 years old. Yeah. So what was that like for, for women listening and, and people listening in general to this, uh, to our conversation today, you know, leading teams when you are kind of the new kid on the block and then yep. you have age not really on your side either. Yep. That had to be challenging for you. Yeah, and it you're a woman. Was. And were there other things that kind of, other you know, challenges you kind of saw? So I've, I've spent most of my career because I've worked in light industrial spaces. And once I left light industrial, I was in retail and then I was in quick service. We don't like to call it fast food. It's quick service, <laughs> quick service restaurant. Um, and then I was in security and now I'm back in retail. So I've been there. They're generally male dominated environment. So I've spent a lot of my career being the only woman in the room the only person of color 
in the room and up until really recently, the youngest person in the room. And that 24-year-old girl was terrified. I mean, you talk about imposter syndrome. I just felt like I had no business being in the spaces where I was. But again, I like I just tapped back into that curious that curiosity and I completely immersed myself in that position first of all I was single and all I had was a dog so it was nothing but me and my dog that's all I had to be worried about and I had a a great neighbor who had a key to my apartment and I could easily call him and be like yo Richie can you go walk the dog because I'm not going to be able to get home yet but I just completely immersed myself in in that job. And I just got super, I just let my curiosities run rampant. And I embraced the fact that I was young and I didn't know anything. And so I didn't, I never came into situations with a lot of bravado. I came into situations as though, I don't know, explain to me what's going on. Let me ask questions and then I can start to, you know, make suggestions and recommendations based on what we're saying we want this to be versus what it actually is turning out to be. And it worked. I can't necessarily say that's the formula that I would recommend for everybody, but I will say that the word that I keep coming back to in this moment and what I reflect on, you know, in that moment is vulnerability. Because the moment that you take this posture that I know everything and I can't be taught or that or the the posture that, you know, I'm because I because I don't know everything, I don't have the right to be in this room. Like both of those are extremes. And the moment that you take that extreme, like you've already lost, you've cut yourself out of the game. So if you just stay humble and you just stay curious and you just stay open, I feel like the universe will respond to that. We'll get back to Sarah in just a minute, but I want to take a minute to let you know about some virtual development opportunities coming up. Coming up on August 12th, Imposter Syndrome, The Surprising Truth. This is going to be presented by Dr. Sindra Kampoff. Again, August 12th. Coming up on September 29, Men, Women, and Words Communicating Across the Gender Divide with Amber Nelson. This is a great opportunity to include your male allies and your male advocates. The Gender Divide. We do communicate differently. Check that out. Well, at Women Lead Change, you know, we deal a lot with HR. We talk with uh, human resources professionals Mm -hmm. and we talk a lot with diversity, equity, and inclusion folks inside companies. And I always say, you know, if they have a DEI department or a designated DEI individual, they're going to understand what we do at mm-hmm. Women Lead Change as it relates to women. And we're finding right now, you know, you mentioned at this moment, uh, mm-hmm. this is such a moment because we have talked about specifically women of color mm-hmm. when we give really disappointing statistics. In general, women are in the C-suite, you know, 22%, you know, and we're represented in Fortune 500 companies. When you talk about women of color, Numbers I mean, it's through, for, oh, yeah. it's just through the floor. So we've always had those, we've always had those statistics, but now everybody's talking about those statistics and we're talking about people of color and specifically women of color. Are you seeing that? Are, are you seeing that in the work that you're doing? Are these conversations being held and are they being held in a meaningful way? They're starting to, and that is it. That's exciting. 
There's definitely starting to, I'm seeing, starting to see a difference in how, how we approach the need for, you know, greater diversity at the sea levels of organizations, greater diversity in boards and those sorts of things. So I think we're starting to see um, people really recognizing the need to be more intentional about diversifying um, how that happens. There's still a lot of fear around how we do that because a lot of the stigma that goes back to kind of those affirmative action policies and quote and the idea of quotas and specifically searching for a person of color, we're going to somehow overlook a more qualified white candidate. And yet we ne- we never have a problem flipping that when we flip that logic around like we never think we hired all these white people and what about all the people of color who were qualified that we missed out on we never flip that logic we're very comfortable doing it the other way and it's all supremacy notion you know at the end of the day but we're starting to see people soften you know to the concept and and be more willing to have the dialogue about being intentional about hiring with those sorts of identities in mind. Um, But the how we do that is still difficult. For me, I think that women of color, being a Black woman, there is something about us that naturally understands intersectionality and diversity dimension in a way that many other identities simply do not because they don't live at the intersections of those identities. And so we have, a, we have an inherent knowledge that as we rise, everyone rises, that our improvements make things better for everyone. And throughout history, we have shown that when we are put in positions of, of power, positions of authority, that we do make organizations better, that we make governments better, that we make laws better, and that we're not just doing it for our own benefit, we're doing it for the benefit of the greater good, sometimes even to our own detriment. You know, there are a lot of times where we participate in movements and and lobby activity that when push comes to shove, we get cut out. You know, voting is, is, is one of those things. Black women, women of color, And, uh, you know, not just us, other women of color were heavily involved in the suffrage movement, but it was still 50, 60 years later before we got the right to vote. But we still did the work and that work still matters because we recognize as as it moves, it's going to be good for all of us. And and that's the important thing. For me, that's the why for Mm -hmm. for black women and for women of color. I hope that organizations continue to to recognize that and create more space and opportunity and challenge this notion that we're again going to somehow disqualify qualify white men you know they, they're going to be all right i promise <laughs> sarah i'm curious if you know of people organizations doing this well doing the how well and what what if you do what is it they do that we we all should learn from you know i like i said off the top of my head i i can't think of I really can't think of any and I think you know we do well in pockets I think that we see 
you know, organizations that are creating resource groups and intentional like mentoring and, and, you know, paths to promotion, you know, fast tracking, those sorts of things. And there are definitely like those sorts of opportunities, but I don't necessarily, I can't think immediately of any one organization that I will point to and say, yeah, this one is is getting it right and hitting the nail on the head like super consistently. That's powerful. And you know, you, I'm sure you've seen these statistics too as it relates to entrepreneurship. Black women tend to lead the way. Yeah. And you know, some of that conventional wisdom is because they know they're not going to get where they want to go. Go walk in the conventional that. path. And that's right. you know, a, a big part of what drove me into and even though I'm still a, a, that we like to call it a side hustler, you know, I'm still working a full-time job and running my business. But a large part of what drove me beyond just doing speaking work through my business and moving into the realm of consulting was my frustration with not being listened to in my day-to-day job and realizing that I can't make it happen here. So I've got to move myself into a position and into a space where I'm very clearly working with organizations that want to hear what it is that I have to say and want to set up their cultures and set up their HR functions in the way that I see, you know, is best for the future of our profession and the future of work. We'll get back to Sarah in just a second. I want to let you know about a couple of virtual development opportunities coming up in the form of half-day and full-day conferences. Our first opportunity for you is coming up on October 8th, followed up by October 28th, where we've got one of my jewels in the crown, as I call them, for WLC speakers. Uh, Elizabeth Gilbert will be speaking at the October 28th event. And then we've got our final event of the season coming up on November 10th. Again, all of that information available for you, including registration at WLCglobal.org. This is so interesting. Yeah, and you're leading in color podcast. You talked about anti-racism mm-hmm. versus non-racist, and you make a pretty clear distinction. Can you just yeah. talk to us about that? The distinction is, for me, one of, of neutrality, because people who are non-racist generally feel like they are neutral to issues of racism. I am not personally racist. I'm not actively participating in the oppression of anyone. And so therefore, I am a good person on good ground. And I don't need to do anything more unless I choose to. I don't need to do anything more. Versus being anti-racist, which is recognizing that racism is pervasive in our society and that it's in me whether I like it or not and that I have to be actively addressing that both in myself and in all of the spaces that I occupy so that I can personally be responsible for helping to make change to the system because if we're all pounding at the same chipping away at the same thing it's going to fall but it it takes active effort on the part of all of us it can't just be us standing at this you know using keeping that wall analogy standing at this big brick wall and looking at it and going oh that's a big wall it's not blocking me though so i'm just going to stand here and look at it 
and good luck, you know, to the rest of you. It's, it's looking at it and saying, if this is a block for this person, then it's a block for me too. And I'm limited by the fact that this wall is here. And it, it may not be in a way that I recognize, but I have, there are limitations to me, you know, based on this. And there are also privileges that I gain by this person being blocked that I am not innately entitled to. And I shouldn't be okay with that. And I'm not okay with that. And so I'm going to do something about it. That's what the difference is between being a non-racist and being anti-racist. Anti-racism is active. And it's not necessarily, you know, going out and protesting all day, every day. But it's, you know, figuring out what your lane of activism is going to be, whether that is voting, whether that is writing your congressman or, or calling them and, you know, making sure that you are staying up to date about what's going on and then using your voice, your whether your social media platforms, your, you know, you can text and you can you can even electronically fax letters to government officials now to let them know I'm one of your constituents and you support this thing which disenfranchises people and I'm not in favor of it. And I'm letting you know I'm not in favor of it so that when you when it's time for you to vote, you vote accordingly. And if I find out that you didn't, then I'm not going to vote for you when it's time for you to get reelected and I'm not going to support your campaign. Like you can do those things. Those things are just as anti-racist as going to the protests and so forth and recognizing that there's a whole spectrum for you to choose from. And you just got to figure out what your lane of advocacy or your multiple lanes, you know, of advocacy are going to be and jump in and, and do that and and hopefully enjoy it. What do you think is the most powerful mindset shift we need to make at home and at work around race? Accepting at that what we have been taught about the history of our country here in America and in the world is generally pretty incomplete. That what we get in school, you know, is generally pretty incomplete. It's, it's the, the Wikipedia Cliff Notes <laughs> version of history. And that, you know, unless you go digging on a particular topic yourself, chances are you're not going to get the in-depth perspective that you're looking for. But if we can accept that what history has taught us is, is incomplete and there's more to the story than what we know, and we can accept that we have internalized supremacy and start to challenge our thoughts around things related, all things related to race and the way that that shows up in the world and gender too. Um, because, you know, when you look at supremacy, supremacy and patriarchy are like evil cousin twins. Like they're, you know, they're both, you know, spawns from the same devil. And if you can realize that that what we have accepted is not half of of what it should be and that what that we've all internalized and therefore oppressed intentionally or unintentionally it's happened and we can start to challenge our thought around that then we can really make change in the way that we are operating what's your superpower and how do you own it the good <gasps> the bad and the ugly I think that 
my curiosity is my superpower. I've spent my whole life being just insightful and a little bit too wise for my age and stage. And it's been a blessing because it has helped me navigate what would have otherwise been some very difficult situation. Now navigate and find ways to thrive, you know, in what would be some very difficult situations otherwise. It has been a curse because I do ask a lot of questions and I do challenge status quo sometimes with the questions that I ask. And I get a lot of who do you think you are because of that. And that hurts sometimes. But I know who I think I am. And so I've learned to embrace that with fearlessness. Personal development has never been easier or more accessible. We've got a couple of packages that you can uh, purchase for a limited time. For $175, we've got an all-access combo package that includes the Dubuque Conference as well as our two upcoming workshops on imposter syndrome and communicating across the gender divide. Then for $500, WLC All-Access Conference Package. This is a ticket to all of the upcoming conferences. Again, this information, including registration, at wlcglobal.org. What would you recommend for people who are just maybe beginning on an inclusion and diversity journey? Are there some tactical things we can do to get started? Yeah, the most important thing for someone beginning their journey towards, and I think it's more about become that movement like we talked about earlier from going from that non-racist into anti-racist and when you have that that moment where the light turns on and you understand the difference between the two and now you want to do something about it there are so many resources out there um, available for you. Um, Dr. Ibram Kendi's How to Be Anti-Racist <laughs> is probably the best kind of all-inclusive book for that. I also have, and I'll provide it for you, a list of resources that I created that I keep on my website for folks who are wanting to start that anti-racism journey and who are just generally looking for ways to connect with people, you know, just to diversify your, the representation, whether that's in your conferences, or if you're recruiting and you're wanting to touch into a more diverse applicant pool, because you know, you need to, you know, increase in those areas. I keep a list of, of resources on my website that people can bookmark and go back to in order to, to start that journey for themselves. Because if you've, if you've never done it before, and you just Google search, it's, it's like opening up the floodgates and it can be so overwhelming. And so giving some place, uh, you know, a, a place that you trust that you can go to and say, okay, this gives me a place to get started. And then I can find my way down whatever rabbit hole makes the most sense for me from there, I think is always a good thing to do. Yeah, lastly, I'll plug my own event. Um, I've got my first virtual summit called the HROI Summit. It's the Human Return on Investment that's coming up in October. I'm doing a two-day online workshop. The first day is about creating pay equity, how you audit your compensation structures for equity and what to do when you find issues um, with that. And then the second day, I'm calling it the session Anti-Racist HR. 
which is really taking a look at your core people processes and for anti-racism, um, looking at them through specifically that lens. And then what to do when you find issues, how do you address that and how do you make those updates? And then how do you as an individual continue on that anti-racist journey? So the workshops are, are October 8th and 9th. Um, they're four hours each. So it's a half a day you'll spend with me. And then I have a, a buy-up, so to speak, where you can continue your learning as a part of a, um, my coaching cohort, where you will work with me and other coaches in the HR and talent space, um, the DEI experts as well, who will come in and talk with you and help you kind of troubleshoot through problems that you may be having in your workplace as you have finished the workshop and now you go back and I'm trying to implement this and I'm getting this pushback and what do I do? And so, you know, that's the loss. When we go to conferences and events and things, when it's all over and you try to go back and you try to do it, the hard part is someone's going to have an objection that you're not ready for. Well, now you can come back into the coaching cohort and the group will help you, you know, troubleshoot through those issues. And, and I'm really hoping that it takes off and, and allows folks to, to learn a new way and a new skill of doing this stuff. And, you know, that it will, will continue for there. So I'm very excited. It's a little bit like jumping off of a bridge um, mm -hmm. <laughs> because this is, you know, again, my first solo event. I'm very excited about it. I've already sold about, I'm already about halfway sold out. So people are, are buying tickets. So I'm over that initial hurdle. Like, are they going to like me, mama? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I'm over that hurdle. And um, now just, you know, looking forward to putting the, the full program together and, and presenting in, in October and, and hoping that this catapults me and my profession um, into a different direction. Excellent. Well, Sarah Morgan, thank you so much again for, you know, sharing us your journey, your, you know, not only, you know, highlighting and shining a spotlight on issues that, you know, we need to talk about, but you're providing solutions too. So, Really grateful for that tactical support. And I'm grateful for your time today and, uh, and owning so all that you are. Again. Yes, yes. Yes. Thank you so much again for having me and for putting together this wonderful podcast where women can come together and talk about the things that help us in our careers. This is fantastic. And I just appreciate being able to be part of the show. Be well, my friend. Such an interesting perspective from Sarah. And I so appreciate pointing out the differences between being anti-racist and non-racist. Thanks again, Sarah. A few quick reminders for you. Women of Achievement nominations are due August 10th. Follow Women Lead Change on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it.